Welcome to this podcast series on neo-charismatic leadership with author, leadership expert and coach, Dr. Gada Angawi and executive leader, Martin Headley, where they will both explore the recently published book, Neo-Charismatic Leadership and the coaching topics it covers. Welcome, everyone. We are so close to the end of our podcast that I still can't believe we started in 2020 and we are now at the last behavioral role of new charismatic leadership. This role is my favorite as we are playing it right now, which is developing people. What do you think, Martin? Yes. Hello, Gada, and welcome to everybody. This has been a very interesting journey helped by the people who have contacted us along the way. We're glad that we've been able to help. And so now let's get into developing people. So Martin, let us first park here at why this role is integral to the organization and why me and you chose to be here today. From my perspective and the last 20 years experience in the field of learning and development, organizations exist to serve communities and communities are people. The idea of service is at the core of any organizational existence, right? Product development, sales, profit is all part of the operation of serving the communities and the people that live there. Every altruistic, ethical leader has their mind focused on this idea of giving and in service to others, making their life easier, helping them enjoy or entertain or have basic life needs. When you think about it, you're really helping others thrive and live a quality of life. That quality is jeopardized when people lack knowledge, skills, and a set of values that will make them of service to others. So we all really support each other through a process of continuous learning and growing, each in their own field and endeavor. Indeed. So organizations cease to exist, frankly, when they don't support a community. In time, you know, if you don't keep your organization up to date, following what customers need, eventually they won't need you and you can go out of business. So it might be true that any type of a leader, whether they're focused on profit as the sole purpose or not, should be focused on whether they are, in fact, delivering what the customer wants. But in fact, if you're a neo-charismatic leader and you're leading the organization, you will be constantly in touch with what people want. You will know what your community is. You will know what they need from you and you will be developing your organization along those lines. So I agree that the profit motive is there, but the profit motive is merely just part of doing business as opposed to the purpose of the organization and what the leader is trying to achieve. Sure, yeah. I mean, there are few observations around leadership effectiveness and, and developing people. One is that when leaders develop people and put plans in place for that, people performance improve and they feel good about themselves and thus admire their leader for giving them the opportunity to grow. Second, individuals have a need of intellectual or brain growth. If that need is not satisfied, they feel imbalanced and unwell. Imagine a very long, boring job where nothing happens except what happens every day. Imagine no action or challenge to your abilities, no struggle 
to perform and nothing really to stimulate your problem-solving appetite. Many people feel that this is enough reason to look for another job, although the pay could be good. Or the other challenging job pay could be less. They choose to be intellectually growing, earning less more. Third, if individuals are not continuously intellectually challenged by the job, this could result in an unethical decisions that affect the job performance, such as spending time watching games or playing computer games or talking to peers instead of working because they feel that this job is boring and it's not contributing to their growth. Their excuse is there's no work when in fact they could spend time learning new skills and knowledge that can contribute to them doing more so they get promoted and they get noticed and they get challenged in the job. So it is important for leaders to recognize these three elements in motivating employees in organizations, their need for development, their need for intellectual challenge. It is important that they provide growth opportunities that their employees can pursue through setting the bar higher every time. Don't you agree, Martin? Yes, I do. What you have listed there is three observations that I I think are essential to understand if you're a leader and you're wanting to motivate your people to, to learn and develop. It makes me think of the vision and mission of the organization. If you are in an organization that has a vibrant mission and vision and is really trying to achieve something, then it's much easier to create the environment where everybody can and wants to learn. Whereas if you are in an organization that is just run on a very sort of automated, same day after day basis, then you're not going to find the same opportunities, no matter how hard you try, to create learning and development opportunities for individuals. So the first thing I think about is how important role modeling is. So if you're the leader, even if you're at the very top, what are you doing to learn and develop? And are you making it clear to everybody else in the organization that you are doing that? You know, do you talk about it in your communications? Do you talk about it in videos? Do you get that message out to people? That that's the first way I would respond to it. The second is by making sure that everybody has time on their calendar, on their work calendar, to learn and develop. Now, this may only be an hour a week, but you know, you have 52 weeks in a year, so that adds up. You know, there can be a lot of sort of more formal learning and development. And then thirdly, you know, if you stay in touch with the people that you're working closely with, you'll already know whether they're fully engaged or not. And if they're not, then you know that you need to create more opportunities. So I think from a fully engaged perspective, it works very well. This is not staying up with people or staying in touch with people in order to control. It is to determine whether they're genuinely engaged with the work. And if you are the leader of a very large organization, then you need to be sure that the people that work for you are doing this very same thing throughout the organization right down to the very bottom. And I think it's quite amazing how many organizations I go into where you can find pockets of excellence, where people are really engaged, learning and developing, and also pockets where folks just don't seem to be engaged at all. And they're just 
they're not learning, but not because they don't want to, because nobody's really giving them any challenge. And that is probably one of the biggest wastes you can possibly find in any organization. Yeah, I totally agree with what you have said, Martin. It is really a pity that there are pockets in some large organizations where the work is boring, repetitive, and the individuals don't feel challenged enough. Therefore, they don't pursue learning opportunities. I think this is also uh, partially due to the policies in the company. There might be a learning platform around the corner, the company providing, but where does the focus lands when a leader is focused on employees' engagement? Is it focused on the hours that they spend at work, the type of engagement with the process itself, or is it focused on the individual's doing the right thing rather than being part of the system. Yes, I I totally agree with what you have said. Thank you for adding that. So from your experience, Martin, how did you in your executive role in, in different organizations implement this people development? I know you are a new charismatic leader. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for that. I think I've done it differently in almost every organization that I've been in. The most important thing that you look at is where everybody is on the team closest to you. So if you come in at the top, as I have done in a couple of instances, you already have a pretty capable team surrounding you. They all have very deep knowledge and some of them have very broad knowledge of a lot to do with the industry, to do with the organization, to do with the professional types of work that are being used in that industry. So you've got a pretty capable team. If you walk up to them and then say, oh, I think we're going to do some learning and development, you're going to get lots of size and eye rolling, <laughs> things like that. So you've got to ask the question and come in genuinely that, you know, I just want to know what areas you feel that, you know, we could be doing better as an organization or that you as an individual could be doing better as and just see where people come from. Almost always, they will have a good answer for you. And that's exactly where I would start. Okay. Immediately, I would give them something that they're already looking for. And then when I get the list of all of the things that we're doing across the whole team, I'll then look for any potential gaps between where I think we should be going and what skill sets I think we should be developing. So that's how you start it off. The second thing, of course, is to not send everybody to traditional courses necessarily. There should be a blend. So learning can be from online courses. And I know you have some very good ideas on the uh, correct use of learning platforms like that, Gada. But it should also be perhaps time where you sit together for 30 minutes and you discuss issues and you work through what everybody understands and how they could share that knowledge just among their own peers to start off with. And that might indicate that you need a facilitated session or that you need a formalized training course or that self-study is going to be fine. Okay, so walk in carefully, but make sure that everybody has committed to learning and developing something. So tell me more, Gutter, about your ideas about the learning platforms. My answer to the how we do the learning is not only through providing learning platforms or self-learning because also they can be boring. They can be somehow, although 
we're making them more visual and more interactive. Uh, they lack the human presence, the engagement with someone. So I really like to mix, mix methods. And I like to see that there is a learning platform that provokes your idea for a few seconds or a few minutes. And then there is a coach whom you come back to and talk with around what you've learned and how you're going to action the learning. There is also the training courses, which is more if we're talking about executive level, leadership, strategic level, they should be not called training courses, but more to what you've just said, learning circles or learning groups, whereby there is a problem, there is a case and everybody is sitting there on the table problem solving and, and there is a chance for people to discuss and there's a chance for them by the facilitator of that session to to learn something new or something more out of their uh, direct learning environment that the facilitator brings to that learning circle because he's a very specialized person who knows so much about the topic they chose to discuss or they chose to learn. So it is very customized approach. And I am seeing more and more of, of these uh, learning groups uh, coming online right now because of the pandemic, but they are really an actual very good way to help uh, executives. Some people even call them group coaching, not team coaching though, because team coaching we've already defined as a very specific deliverable related to the team function itself. We're talking about group coaching in a specific learning area. So while this may seem easy enough as we explain it, many organizations do not do a follow-up after the learning happens, which means a person attends training but never get coached on what does it mean for them to learn these skills in life and at work and how they can contribute to the job through these skills or to the work environment or how will that be implemented and their future plan of action. So another how is when individuals are old, uh, seniors, they're around retirement age, just a little bit before, and there's a lot of technical advancement in the field that they are so used to doing the job the way they did it 10 years ago. And the organization is introducing these new technical advancement to the job whereby the seniors in the job feel out of touch of technology. Now, the organization have two options. One option is to keep them doing what they're doing until they retire. And this is not going to be challenging because for them, they will feel left out or there is the other team that's talking about things that they are not truly hands on. And the other option is to get them into the workforce, help them retrain again, provide these opportunities. They might be expensive. They might be, it might take some time. These individuals not only capable of doing the job, they have the wisdom, they have the experience, they have the exposure to the job that the uh, millennials or the new coming generation that is very tech savvy may not have. So they both complement each other and they both should work as a team. So this is important for organizations not to see senior executives as someone who's going to leave in few years and, you know, it's not worth the investment. Let's just keep them doing the, the typical leadership job. I think it's worth bringing them in. And to be honest with you, Martin, during the pandemic, I have been involved with several team coaching uh, and I have been involved with executives at very senior retirement age level. 
And I have seen them run away with technology, just like millennials. There is no difference. If you have the right tool, the right training, the right coaching, you don't take a longer time as people think to train or, you know, you're out of touch. It is just a matter of convictions and belief in the person, giving them the confidence they need to, to learn these new technologies, giving them opportunities for growth. I think that there is a lot more to this subject than meets the eye. And we generally, we tend to have a very limited understanding of what learning and development is. We drift immediately towards training courses and things like that. And of course, it's, it's not just that. It involves making sure people have different experiences. It involves making sure there is somebody to take over when you leave, whether that's abruptly or not. And so in our next session, not only will we be talking about smaller to medium enterprises and, and exactly how you do learning development there. But I think we'll also get into succession planning too. In larger organizations, it's less of a problem because there's usually an HR source that is helping you do this. But for smaller organizations where you don't have that level of support, succession planning is, is actually going to be a critical result, hopefully, of good learning and development. So it looks like we're close to our time to end this podcast. So let's leave it here and pick up next time with the small to medium enterprise learning and development and succession planning. Sure. Thank you, Martin. And see you next time. Goodbye. Garda and Martin, hope you enjoyed this episode. There is more information available at neocharismaticleadership.org. And if you would like to discuss coaching or training for yourself or your team, you can contact Garda and Martin through the website. We look forward to your participation next week. Until then, goodbye.